right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 384, bloody hell, of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, I've got Ken with me, and we're both joined by esteemed author of the book on Destroyer. Uh, shout it out loud, and that is, of course, James Campion. James, good to have you back with us. Oh, it is a pleasure, Julian. Ken, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm sorry I'm missing Lonnie, but uh, you guys are knocking it out of the park every week with the show. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I never miss it, so it's a real honor to be back on with you guys. Thank you. Now that you said that, I won't disconnect you like I threatened you under duress. Say something nice about the show before we go, or I'm hanging up on you. Um, <laughs> no, it, it seems only appropriate when we are talking about the Destroyer 45 Super Deluxe Edition or Deluxe Edition or whatever, the mm-hmm. anniversary edition, to have the author who wrote the book on the album and has done that deep dive into it with us to, you know, get his appraisal of this as a package. And, and you know, let's just go back to the fundamentals. You're a fan. Indeed. And congratulations to Julian. I know he's mentioned in the credits. I noticed I was very happy to see that at the end. Are you you contributing? And I'd love to hear some of uh, your thoughts on that. And of course, to our friend Ken Sharp, who did a magnificent job putting together all the quotes and everything in the story of Destroyer. Uh, I had some great email back and forth with Ken since it's come out. Uh, Everybody did a great job keeping it quiet. I, I was really surprised. I think I posted it on the Facebook page for the Shout Out Loud book. Uh, the week, you know, I was like, this looks promising and, uh, you know, ordered it right away, as I know you guys probably did. And uh, it did not disappoint. I can't wait to dive into it with you guys. Yes. So we we will indeed be doing a dive in. And uh, thanks for the comment about the, the thank yous. I, I want to give Andrew Scambati a shout out for being thanked in the thank you list as well. Andrew, congratulations. That's really cool for you. And of course, some of the others who did. Um, you know, we don't want to do a two hour show on this because I've already done a horrendously extensive review. And my reviews are never just reviews. They are Excellent. dives into the full background. So I'm going to start us off with the first first question and i'm going to call it great expectations and it's basically you know ken what were you hoping for with destroyer 45 once it was uh, kind of rumored and then I, I guess we we got the announcement and the track listing at the same time but what were your hopes for this package before you ever received it hmm. well you know I, I was hoping first of all that the extra things that they were going to put in in with it were at least uh, audio-wise, was you know stellar quality um, for the most part. Um, I was hoping that these songs, some of, some of which we did here before, you know, some demos and things, some that were already released, if there was you know better versions out there. Um, uh, so I was hoping for that. Uh, all the extra stuff that they stick in there. Um, I was hoping for, you know, a little, but, you know, it turns out they gave a lot more than I thought they would ever actually put in this package. Um, and this, you know, I was hoping, and let's, let's face it, I was hoping actually for a, like a DVD too of a, a live show. Um, I think, you know, that was probably the glaring thing for me. Um, but, uh, and there may be reasons that they, you know, couldn't do it, but I, I think, you know, I was hoping for that stuff and, and, the music, the, you know, unreleased stuff, um, live stuff, you know, uh, but, you know, they exceeded really my expectations, 
expectations on a lot of stuff. So it, it was well done. Great. James, what about you? I had none. I had no expect. You know, I have to say a couple of years ago, you and I talked about this, Julian, the first time you were kind enough to have me on when my book came out. Uh, low those many years ago and episodes ago. But uh, I think somebody had posted something that was false, that there was going to be a box set for Destroyer. And oh, then yeah. we got resurrected. And, you know, that always stuck in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, what would they put on this thing? And we've all heard, don't you hesitate and uh, the man of a thousand faces and things like that. But I, I didn't really have any. And like I said, I was completely surprised when it came out. Uh, I have to say, I was it was so cool to get. First of all, I was hoping I'd get it on the 19th when it came out because I ordered it through Amazon. And it did come later in the afternoon. And I'm, I'm finishing up a book right now that's coming out in March of 2022. So I was working on the final drafts of the formatting and I was just totally stressed out, you know, and this thing comes and my wife's like, what's this? And I'm like, it's, it's the box set ripped it open. And I felt like the little kid, like the 13 year old that, that, you know, I opened my book with, it was a great experience. And I wasn't, I was surprised by everything in it. I thought it was great packaging. Each thing came out. Like it was, it was Christmas morning here. I got to tell you on the 19th and, uh, I loved every part of it. I agree with Ken. Maybe the Roosevelt show, uh, maybe a, a remix of that. I know what Peter Jackson's been doing with his Beatles stuff from the oh, from 1969. Oof. Could they do? I mean, I know I'm not comparing it, but I'm just saying, could they fix with digital, you know, production now? Could they fix some of these? The Anaheim show, wonderful show. Sounds kind of crappy. Sounds kind of like from the audience. But could they have done something? to clean those up, to make this a full retrospective box set. I would say, I, I agree with Ken. That is the only disappointment I had. I do have some comments as we go through yeah. some of the, the extras in there, but I think that's the biggest glaring uh, mix because the Blu-ray is amazing. And I want to talk about the sound, the surround sound, but video, especially with Kiss, especially this Kiss. And Kiss, show, the visual band. Exactly. It, it is a enigma. And I, I do want to mention, even though I, I was graciously thanked for making a few minor contributions to this uh, product, I don't have any insights to the business decisions that were made. And I'm not part of the team who put this together. I, I don't do any official work for the band, the label or anyone. Um, I was just asked an opinion now and then on a couple of things by people. Um, so I don't have any answers to that and or any of maybe some of the other ones that people may have. So let's dig into the beginning of the Super Deluxe, which is the new remaster CD of it. How does it compare to your ears for, you know, from previous releases? You know, and I guess what is your, or has been your go-to? I'm going to start because this was supposed to be for Lonnie, um, who has life to take care of before any fun happens. So I've, my go-to recording for Destroyer for years has been the Japanese 1986 transfer uh, issued on the P33C uh, Polystar series, and everyone can scream nerd at me. It, it really does provide a very solid basis for what was done later with the 97 remaster, where they bumped the audio, the decibels, um, a bit. And then for this latest, or I guess 2014, it was also remastered a, again. So it bumped up a little bit more. And then now it's a little bit louder yet again, but they have also, uh, you know, twiddled around with to my ears, some of the treble and, and whatnot. So there's, there's a lot of clarity. I really like the new remaster disc. I didn't find myself 
you know, turning down the volume an awful lot, uh, I, I set it and forget it and just played it. So I found it um, very appealing audio wise. I didn't get ear fatigue like I do uh, with certain albums that have come out in the past decade and a half. So um, from that perspective, the new remastered disc is fantastic. And, you know, I'm not one who generally listens to Destroyer from start to end an awful lot. I usually do a playlist, you know, because there are some songs in there that I'm not a big fan of. But um, overall, I, I just found the, the tweaking that they've done to it brought some new things to my attention in a similar way to what Resurrected did. James, back to you for the remaster. All right. So a couple of things. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, my go to up until here and I haven't I want to ask you guys a question here mm -hmm. has been I don't know what year this came out this um this Japanese version of oh, yeah. I have that one I have that one too 200 gram this is a masterful if I may mm -hmm. mix of this and mastering I if I play it for someone who's not familiar with this with for fellow music journalists or authors I always crack this out and play it uh it's my go-to uh, still it's too crackly this is my original destroyer I, when we did our 40th anniversary mm. thing, I shared this, uh, got it in the summer of 76. Uh, I would say I was reticent, and I don't know about you guys, I got the deluxe edition CD package. Um, I listened to that twice, the, the remix, and I want to get to the surround sound in a moment um, when, when you do get to it, Julian. But uh, I didn't hear anything that was in the CD version, which, of course, is compressed spectacularly over that version. So I was on the fence about buying another vinyl version of this record. Uh, I didn't care about having that second record with the with the demos. I, you know, you listen to demos once, twice, it's good. It's on Spotify now. It's fine. I, I wonder what you guys think. Is it? Do you think this remaster would be worth having it on getting a, this version on vinyl? Yes. Ken. <laughs> Yes, definitely, because, you know, I have that same one that you you showed, the Japanese one that came out in, like, 2012 I don't know. Yeah, yeah, mid-2000. Mid and, uh, and I know that sounded great, but I haven't had time to compare it. But I believe, I truly believe that this new one sounds better than anything I've ever heard on vinyl for this album. Um and you know, I have it right here. This is the this is the one. Yeah. So I did get it. This is the black, the black one. It has a little booklet. But it was, you know, uh what mixed or mastered by um I can't remember it was, is Miles at Abbey Road Studios. Oh yes, yeah. One half speed mastering process right. that they used. And I swear this sounds so it sounds better than the C D to me. Wow. It sounds that good to me. I mean, it's it just it leaps off. There's the destroyer car, right? It just went down the street. So <laughs> the, anyway. new, the new destroyer car. <laughs> you record that. Very good. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah. Um, this one sounds like I need to compare it with that, that Japanese one. Uh, but I, I swear, when I put this on, I was like, wow, this, this sounds so clear, critic, and it's just. I, I don't know. It, it sounded so good. I was surprised how good it sounded. Right. So. And I think you're talking about Giles Martin, who who is, you know, George Martin's uh, son, right? It is Giles? No, 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 not. It wasn't Giles. This, there's a guy called Miles. I can't remember his last name. Oh, he's uh, an Abbey Road cat, too. He's yeah. an Abbey Road cat. And he he's done a lot of these half speed master on in Abbey Road. And uh, I want to say it's Miles Goodwin or, or something like that. Julian, Julian's to the rescue. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but it's it's 
it, it is really good. and it's in this in the run out groove it says miles you know by miles miles one half show well well that's that's high praise i think i might have to order that today when i get off with you guys because <laughs> no seriously because i was listening to it on spotify in my car today all the way through i had about a 45 minute trip you know the record's about 30 minutes uh yeah and it it uh, it there were things that popped out even on that listen in car, you know car speakers through Spotify which is really compressed uh, so I was impressed by that and I did as Julia mentioned I did find especially in the surround sound which is the first thing I listened to the Blu-ray when I got this package so many things and this is someone who wrote spent three years of his life and listened to this record as my wife incessantly every little fart and you, we've talked about it here I mean and still things there's a keyboard on that wait a minute. I think there's extra background vocals on that. So that's things I want to talk about in, in the in the course of this episode. But yes, I, I I'm I'm very intrigued now, Ken. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I, I, it's great. Sounds great to me. So I'm I'm gonna have to uh, I guess dig out my record player since I did buy the record <laughs> as well. So so Ken, uh, I guess you yes, answered sir. that question then, right? How does it, because again, when you go and talk about how does something sound, yeah. it's all very, very subjective. Everyone's got different ears. Everyone's brains process sound slightly different. Um, I listened to the stream 14 times uh, when that was available for reviewers. So that, that kind of colored my impressions of it. Um, you know, and then I got the flack download, the lossless because I didn't want to rip the CDs myself. Uh, so I just went ahead and got that. So again, in terms of that clarity, it, it, it's just, for me, maybe my ears are getting older and I like that sound better now uh, because I know some people have mentioned that it looks, you know, they're, they're, they're saying that as a negative. Oh, all they did was boost the volume again. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the I did listen to the 97 and the new one kind of back and forth on my computer. Um, yeah, the only thing I really noticed a lot was the the volume was a little louder, like you said, Julian. Uh, I didn't see other a lot of differences, um, but I wasn't digging that deep. I just kind of compared one song on each. So, yeah. Yeah, and I may do a digital rip of the LP if it's as good as you say it is. Then I did notice a bit of clipping in the waveforms for for the flack. So uh, again, I don't want to get into a terse technical discussion about audio. <laughs> did you guys, one... did you guys notice? Um, I'm sorry, Julian. Did you guys notice that the, the fades seem to be longer? Normally I noticed. When they do I noticed something. Yeah. yeah. When they do cleanups of this, like for Exile on Main Street or some of these older records, they do like a. I, I missed it. Little licks at the end or little vocal uh, stuff that happens. They they cut it quicker because they don't want hiss. This mm -hmm. one, it seemed like there was more of a fade out on, you know, Do You Love Me and King of the Nighttime. Where it just seemed longer to me. I, I don't know if you guys noticed. I thought I noticed it, too. And I thought, well, maybe it's just me. But I thought I noticed that, too, in a couple of songs. Yeah, I need more time. And, you know, there'll be a bunch of people out there who want to A, B every single version and come up with a definitive list of, you know, what their findings are. And you know what? I'd much rather someone else do it than me. <laughs> Get, get on. There, right. There's your mission. We're, we're, let, report in when you've got some information, people. So let's move on to disc two. 
which is, of course, the demo disc that James has just unkindly called to listen once and then file it away. I disagree. That was my make or break deal, Ooh. that I wanted the full Magnographic demo set in perfect quality, and I have received. So from that perspective, I was already in happy land when that came out. And it, it is what Ezrin the raw clay that he was given. They basically threw a lump of clay at him and he ducked and said, uh-uh, you're not hitting me with that garbage. We're gonna start fresh. Right. Uh, James, the, your perspective on all that now that you can actually hear it properly. Yeah, first of all, I, I agree with you. I, I'm just saying a lot of times when you listen to demos, that's great, but I did wanna hear them clearly. I, I had to go dive in through bootlegs and YouTube and this and that. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it was, they sound great. I mean, right off the bat, don't you hesitate? Sounds like something right off Dress to Kill. Uh, you know, it sounds mastered, bassy, ballsy. Uh, it, it does tell me one thing. I've heard you guys. I know you guys have the vault. I know. I know. Ken always talks about his favorite Gene Simmons songs. He comes from each you know record with stuff. I know that the big complaint in the '80s is he sort of disappeared on Paul. Maybe. But I'll tell you, the songs here prove he is a really good songwriter, and he, those demos are fully formed songs and he's got every kind of style in there with cool like soulful background vocals and weird kind of sounds and a really solid drummer and i don't know who the hell is playing lead on those i mean those are it, that, that's like a gene simmons solo album man so yes on that standpoint i was so happy to get those i did have notes i took on them but i don't want to take up i want to get to the alternate takes but as far as the the original stuff i did have one or two notes here um I thought it was funny that I don't know if you guys knew this, but I didn't. That it ain't it, it ain't the smoke that burns you is really called it's the fire. Did anybody know that before? Because it was I always. Didn't know. Nope. We, we just called it smoke originally. And what? I did not I did not know that God of Rock and Roll, uh, God of Thunder and Rock and Roll was the full title of the song as written on the mm. demo box. Right. It, it, um, that, that was a revelation to me. And again, Julian knows I dove years into this and I tried to unturn. Yeah, you're not going to get everything when you when you when you write a book. Yeah, and the other one, Nightboy. Nightfly. Night Night yeah, yeah. Nightfly, yeah. Right. Um, the other thing I noted, and I'm sure you guys know this because, and I'm wondering what you think. And I know the Stones have gone through this with their box sets. Like, well, they recorded this song in 73. Why Why is it on the Tattoo You oh, yeah. box set? Right? So uh, the Bad, Bad Love and, and Save, uh, you know, uh, and the other one, um, the Rock and Roll of Droids, those two songs, I mean, obviously Bad, Bad Love and Is Dr. Love which yeah. maybe they could have put on a rock and roll over. I know it was recorded and probably right. handed to Bob here, but it really, it, it would be better for the rock and roll over if they do it, right? Um, because it shows you the evolution of that song. And rock and roll, rock and rolls Royce, again, shows you Gene's talents because both of those songs were used for uh, Dr. Love and Christine 16. So it's it's all right there. So he, you know, and, and, and you're like you said, Bob overlooked some of this stuff, but if you were gonna pair, I always thought Paul was a better songwriter pound for pound but not these demos does not does not come no jeans jeans got three fully fleshed out in true confessions um burning up with fever which could also go on address the kill box because they recorded that in january with just the original four members the drummer on mm -hmm. these ones is uh predominantly jr smalling that's what i always thought but he yeah uh, or gene himself he again he says he doesn't know and in the original uh, road cruise book jr said that all 15 were him and mm -hmm. uh, as far as guitarist goes you've got paul you've got binky and you've got ace 
So, and who knows who and else? Maybe Gene. You know, Campbell by yeah, and Gene. He Come on, some of those, some of those sound pretty Gene-ish. Yeah. So, all right, Ken, your your thoughts on the demo disc? Yeah, well, the um, we we know we saw the uh, or heard some of the songs before. Uh, I'm with James. Uh, I did think about you know, for instance, bad bad loving. You know, yeah, do they say that? But and I thought, you know what? He's gone through several versions of Bad Bad Lovin', or, or, or there's other versions of it that he probably reworked and recorded again right before Rock and Roll Over. Um, so he, I'm sure there's another version that is a little bit different that they could include on Rock and Roll Over. That's just based on, you know, the Gene Simmons Vault, where, which is so many versions of of songs that have been partially rehashed and these he's, <laughs> he's, he's still working out the song out and finally it gets to its final you know right. eventually makes it to record i even uh, hear plaster caster in, in a couple of these songs like i hear where he pulled oh, that maybe. out and made plaster caster yeah yeah you carry these little things love he's, them and leave he, them he's right a great recycler he always has been and three of those songs were released on the vault however in slightly edited form so they're identical except they've got something moved around here and there so they're not um yes. the exact duration on the vault so um yeah he, he then went and cut uh what was it bad bad loving again in a similar arrangement to this at record plant and then he did it again and then it became See, two songs yeah. so yeah so i mean that you know i noticed um but yeah it you know it's the fire it's is so crystal you know these some of these songs are so crystal clear it's like wow because the one we heard on the you know YouTube or whatever, just you know, it's it's kind of muddy, um, but it's, this is you know crystal clear and uh, has that you know but again that Stones feel, um, just a, a a great song, um, and you know Man of a Thousand Faces, um, that one, you know which was cool too. Uh, maybe that's the song. Oh, I know the one that James was talking about with I don't want no romance. That's the one where you have those those like high vocals and the little yeah, yeah. Uh, like background kind of stuff going on. Yeah. yeah, that 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 is really cool. I really like that one too. So, but yeah, all these songs are some we heard before. We know, uh, and they, these other songs that had never appeared on on a, you know officially formatted <laughs> disc uh, published um, are just just great. Because um, yeah, I mean, true confessions. Yeah, you could say, well, they're going to do another Gene Simmons box set or something for the solo albums. Uh, you could have a, another version of that on there. Well, I'm sure there's more, several versions of True Confessions out there that they could use for that. Yeah. So, uh, again, collectors and diehards have to remind themselves that they've been privy to copies for the for this stuff for a very, very long time. So you can't expect it to be all new and fresh, which is probably why I'm more interested in upgrades as a collector. That's always what's key to me these days. Lonnie, good to see you. I'm glad Thank you're you. able to join us today. We hey, just started. Yes. We've just started talking about the remass. Well, we're, we're just finishing up that the uh, second disc, uh, the demo. So why don't you go back and just give us, uh, you know, your reaction to the first CD, the, the latest remaster of Destroyer, and then give us your appraisal of the demo disc. Well, I was listening to you guys for a few minutes, and I agree with you that there, there isn't a whole lot of difference between my 97 remaster and this. Maybe maybe it is just a, a tick louder. 
But James hit on something that it seems that the fade outs are longer. Like I noticed it on grade. I was on great expectations yeah. Um, yeah, more than cool. anything else. Um, I was just, I was just, you know, just having it on in the background for the last few days, just over and over. And it's just the first time I heard great expectations, I was, just, I just like, it just like caught my ear, and I'm like, that, that, that seems, it seems like I should have faded out by now. It seems like that I got an extra two, two seconds of great expectations right there. I mean, I've, I've heard these songs probably more than, I've heard Destroyer songs probably more than any other songs ever. So I mean, this it's the album that introduced me to Kiss. So it's 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 so important to me. And just like any slight variation, it just caught my ear just immediately. Like, I I think that's I think that's different. And I, and I noticed it on a couple other songs. But Great Expectations was the first one that I that I really like. It, you know, made my ear perk up a little bit. Um, but other than other than that, you know, it, it sounds great. And I I got the the package on on Saturday evening and, and Sunday morning. I got up and I was doing some chores around the house. And like just listening to Destroyer from start to finish, and I've listened to the Destroyer from start to finish. I I can't tell you how many times in my life, but I just it just caught me listening to it, and I'm and I'm singing along with it, and I just love the sequence of the album, and it, it's just it is just perfection. The album really is. So it 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 just made it made me feel like listening to it for the first time all over again. Just listening to that remaster, though. I agree. I, I just wanted to say. And I, you know, I know there's going to be debates, and we have debate. You guys have debates on the show and everything. And you know, I spent three years on this, on this, writing about this record and what it means to me. But when I listen to this remaster, just on anything that I listen to in this box set, it just reminds me. It stamps my absolute love and adoration of this record. And Lonnie said it perfectly. It's just a masterpiece all the way through. It's perfectly. And I got to tell you, I fell back in love with Sweet Pain. Ken always ring the bell for Sweet Pain. I love that song. I love that damn song, and it sounds so freaking great on that on that on the new mix. I don't know. I don't know. It's just. I'm with you. I hate that song, and I love it now. <laughs> I, I it was new new ears maybe because hearing. Peter's 16th notes, those rapid fire, just the drumming in that song now is jumping out at me. And I've never noticed it in that way. So that's just a, a, a weird thing that's come with it. But he also raised another interesting point about the longer fades. Weren't they trying to stretch that album out as much as they could in 1976? <laughs> so why that's 45 to years to squeeze an extra two seconds <laughs> why, each side? Why did it take this long? Yeah. Rock and roll party. They had to really, do really strange. So Lonnie, um, catches up on your appraisal of the demos disc too, the magnographic disc this this too was 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 great and i agree with you like those gene simmons songs on there um he he held some stuff off the vault i mean i i, I guess this was in the works or maybe planned or and on the back burner for a while that that we held some stuff off of here and it makes you think that well what else did he hold off the vault you know what other kind of projects could could lie out there in the future have you know do they have um just penciled in plans for other albums to do the same type of treatment too um but I, i'm with you that uh that um night boy really really struck me I'm like i've never I, I never heard i've heard most of these i've heard of most of these demos when we get the disc three you know i i've heard a lot of that stuff before too but like like night boy what is that and like star what is that but it, it's so it's so cool to hear these songs and to hear what they were and what how they were forged into what we've come to know and love, um, and and the Paul song too. Like you know, they're talking about, it's the fire. I'm like 
ever since that demo came out, I don't know what it was, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, right around right around this time of year, right before Christmas, like seven, eight years ago, we all called it smoke. We didn't know any better. <laughs> that, that the song is really called it's the fire. So it it is it is this this too is the one I think I'll go back to probably more than anything on this on this set though. Yeah, for, for people who that stuff is new, so I, I think they're getting a real treat, getting it all in one shot in great quality. Um, let's move on. It's Wait disc- a second. Are we gonna we are we gonna cover the best part of disc two? Which are you gonna go to there? The instrumentals and the alternate takes of these, because that is well, that, well that that's disc three. Oh, it is. I thought it was on two. My bad. Yeah. Let me get my box set. Three. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, don't, yes. don't drop that box on your foot. I, I know. My God, it's so heavy. All right, yes, let's go, because this is really where the rubber hit the road for me. Well, go. Okay. Have at it. Three, James. Really? Have at it. Okay, yeah. all right. I want to hear you guys' comments on this. couple yeah. of things. All right. Absolutely love the mono instrumentals. First of all, anytime you get, even though I don't have a really good setup for mono, I just love the fact that things are not just fake stereo. We're going to throw this on this side and that on that side. Not a big fan of that. So I did really dig those. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that I noticed. Did you guys notice on the instrumental for God of Thunder that there's a keyboard in the chorus of God of Thunder? What the, what? Like, I know that he put keyboards to fatten things and pianos, but that is clearly a keyboard part. And without his vocal in there, I'm like, holy crap, that is so cool. Think about this. I've been listening to this record now for the entire 45 years and wrote about it. And I just, that was a real revelation to me. Um, The other thing is you could really tell on the instrumental where the drum parts that were done in the hallway, the back elevator shaft, like when he does those those fills and the ones that they use for the backing track later, and then those goom, goom, you could hear the echo. That's that's natural room echo on there. So again, stunning. Um, in Detroit Rock City, another one, I never knew. I mean, I guess I did, because he had to have a first part, but the bit do do he does a run up, do a bit of doo doo, which is really funky, and that's exactly what when Bob said to me, uh, Gene hit above his weight on Detroit Ro- Detroit Rock City. Now I know what he's talking about because okay, doo 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 doo, great, that's cool. But he's doing that throughout the whole thing, like he's doing mm-hmm. bass runs, and they're not just doo 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 doo. He's doing funky, and when I say funky, he's putting spaces in there, spectacular. And I heard that for the first time with this box set. Um, the other one is, uh, I love Bob Ezrin's countdown for the beginning of King of the Nighttime World. I love how it goes, and he's like, one, two, boom, and then he does one, two, three. So Peter knows when to come in, and that goes back to that whole backstory about how they beat the hell out of Peter for the backing track first. So he's clearly making the countdown for Peter there, and then the rest of the band adds it later on. And um, another thing I noticed. I'll, you, I'll just I'll end here because I have one other thing, but I want to I have to end here because I want to ask you guys generally. Now, two p and I'm, it's a shame they weren't mentioned in the uh, in the Ken Sharp interviews, but that's okay. It's, he only had so much space. I I, I found out when I was studying uh, or researching the book that Atasha Thomas and Carl Hall, who were like background singers who had done a lot of background singings and singing in the 70s and had sung on quite a few Bob Ezrin backing uh, you know uh, projects, they sang on Sweet Pain. But I'm telling you, I hear a female voice on King in the Nighttime World now. And I also hear a little female voice on Shout It Out Loud. I would, they might be singing on those three tracks. And I only discovered that through the surround sound and the combination of these 
these um, these different mixes or alternative mixes. I don't know if you guys heard that, but I definitely hear on King of the Nighttime World, there is definitely a high-pitched, not just someone singing falsetto, a female voice on there. Yeah, I'm hearing all sorts of stuff all over the place, yeah. whether it's voicings, whether it's piano or keyboards, or whether it's the voices in my head shouting at me. <laughs> no, it's so true. And and just, I also, and, and Ken said this before on the show yeah. a while back, I know all you guys love the demo of Great Expectations because he says, you know, you, you, he names everybody in the band. And yeah. I loved hearing that because you could hear Gene really struggling to hit that high note. I mean, really struggling. And it's just so dear to my heart to see him busting it and know that he eventually nailed it, you know, in the final version. I loved it. I love these alternate and I loved it. It was my favorite part of the whole box set. So I, I think your passions just illustrated one of the key points of Destroyer is that boot camp was a process that made all the members of KISS raise their games. And Gene says as much in the liner notes. They and, and you really gotta go to this. I've I've had to print it out and scan it, the Gotham City News, yes, which is yes. the very thin newsprint. Do not ignore that because that is where yeah. a lot of the gold about all of the songs mm -hmm. on these discs is located. The book itself is a beautiful book and overview, but you want the nitty gritty, you know, read that newspaper uh, once and you know, don't be afraid of it. It's a, it's your living copy. You're, this isn't an investment for the future. This is something to enjoy now. And just like everything you had in the seventies got dog-eared read it because you will not be disappointed i won't give you any spoilers because also look at the pictures in there that tells you a lot ken disc three what are the high points and your overall thoughts on that kind of potpourri of mono mixes single edits rough yeah, mixes yeah. outtakes and early versions uh, I mean, that's some, a run-on sentence yeah some of the mono some of the mono mixes i like uh more than others uh some mono mixes that are just okay to me um but the yeah the instrumentals really tell you what's going on behind the scenes um that you miss when you hear those vocals up front like james was talking about um you know on god of thunder for instance and and one of them one of the songs i can't remember which one it is now it had a lean in it, you know it's one of the count-ins that they have on this uh but he there there's a click there's that click which i think is that that click box thing that Bob Ezrin talked yeah. about right yeah 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 the box and that uh, I think I said oh that's that that's what he was talking about you know I was, I was listening oh that, that's that's it there I can hear it so yeah, which is keeping you know Peter on track um on time but uh yeah I mean the single edits are kind of cool to see I, we've heard a lot of those before uh if you got the singles you know, box set, or if you just heard singles or have vinyl singles from the past. Um, but uh, the the Beth acoustic mix was cool. I know a lot of people wanted, um, you know, the version that was from '78. You know, the the movie. The uh, but it doesn't make sense to put that on this because this is '76, right? So there's no and that's to... twenty twenty. It, yeah, it, yes. So your point is. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, my point is, why would you use something recorded or done in '78 and put it on a destroyer, you know, set? I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm assuming that's the Dick Wagner guitar part fully. This is as, the Dick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. that's, I know he, he told me he recorded the whole thing with the orchestra. They just pulled the most of the orchestra out and just had the two of them. Because I know that Bob boosted 
the acoustic in Resurrected. Uh, but this is a fully realized, beautiful. I mean, that guitar part is gorgeous. That's nice. And uh, and the other one, the the big standout, of course, is the you know even though it's it's yeah technically it's not the greatest song, uh, but ain't none of your business with the Peter vocal. It's just we've heard about it forever and heard some I think pieces of it or something in the past. Uh, but this is this is was very cool. What a great vocal. Too bad they couldn't have made that into maybe a you know improved on improved the song and and it maybe could have made it to the you know album but it, or a b-side guess, of a single a b-side of single would have been yeah, a but they would have done that instead of bath and then we wouldn't be talking about this <laughs> because it would have failed <laughs> we wouldn't be here right now yeah oh gee but yeah so i mean i, I like it a lot of cool things i think the instrumentals are very telling uh, of what's going on in the background and hearing all the instruments and other things going on that you don't normally hear when you play that you know the regular record so james fragadolani am radio 1976 mm. still alive and well wasn't it which is why the mono mixes exist really? generally for am radio so some people have questioned why they were there well that's why you know it wasn't fm um world yet and programming yeah. hadn't necessarily shifted over in all markets for fm to become rock radio um correct yes and also not even only for beth but first time i heard kiss was rock and roll all night on wac radio in 1975, the the studio version. That's the first time mm -hmm. I heard Kiss, and uh, and it jumped out of the you know the speakers. And I know that Neil Bogart, who is an AM maniac, the king of bubblegum and disco, uh, produced that record. But that really jumped out. I mean, I, we all think that the live version is superior, but at that time, no one had heard that. So, um, but yeah, because Scott Shannon, uh, who broke Beth, and really never gets that story, always gets thrown in different ways. It's like the naming of the that was one of the things in the booklet. You know, the the the, the guy's son named no, he didn't. Vincent Girolano, you know, or however you pronounce that guy's name. I mean, he he told me Dennis Wallach that he named Destroyer. But having said that, they keep some of these myths going. But Scott Shannon, when he was hired by Casablanca, they said you got to break this band in AM. That's how mm -hmm. we're going to do this. And he said, you want to do that? Put out Beth. Nah, eh, nobody wants that. Put out Beth. That's what you need to do in AM. So they tried. Trust me, they did. They tried not only with this record, but there are AM uh, or mono mixes for, I'm sure, quite a few of the, the failed before that Kiss singles in the past. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lonnie, disc three at the Pop Parade. You know, what's your take? What are some of your standouts or lows on this? Well, uh, I go back to like, I heard most of, I heard, a, not most, I said I heard a, a lot of these instrumentals I, I bought on a bootleg audio cassette like in 1997 i guess it was and i had heard and i, I remember this is how old the story is i remember playing it in my car because my car had an audio cassette <laughs> after my girlfriend and i bought it at, at this you know this record store and we're like oh, i'm like oh look at this all these instrumental we're, we're, we're buying this so like we bought it and like and like played it in the car and like i remember i just hearing those for the first time you know, very, very raw very, on an audio cassette that had probably had been dubbed and redubbed and redubbed by the time it got into my hands. Um, but those were always cool. And, and, it, and it had um, Ain't None of Your Business on there and, and a lot of the stuff that ended up on, on this disc three. And when I'd heard they were doing a Destroyer box set, you know, I, I had great hopes that, that all these mixes and all these alternate takes would, 
would end up on there. And to hear them again for the first time, um, you know, was was, was mind blowing in a sense of, oh, I remember, you know, hearing this. And, and, and you know, and I, you know, we, we all have our collection, our little private collections of bootlegs. And I, I've gotten them again, you know, through way through different files. But um, to hear them the way, hear them as cleaned up as they are on, on this. Like, I'm sure a lot of KISS fans that, that watch the show have like, had their own collections of whatever. But to hear them the way they're presented um, on this disc and to hear, like like Jim's mentioned, you can hear hear Bob counting them off in, in King of the Nighttime World. And to hear all those little intricacies and everything that goes into these to these songs, to, to hear these raw versions of four guys with instruments and what became in this masterpiece destroyer broken down in this raw form is those on those instrumentals is, is really you know really digging deep for me to hear that and then you know and i and like you guys mentioned that the mono mixes with with am radio because people you know that that was you know that was it at the time obviously and and, and the singles and, and everything on there is is really great but the, the great expectations I, I really wanted a cleaned up version of that demo for the longest time you know you know ken like james said ken mentions it on the show a lot you know you know him calling out their names you know and it's just kisses a band you know calling each each other's names out and the cohesiveness of the band at the time um it's it's great it it, it really truly is and, and the and the version of beth it, it's it's good too like james james has in the, uh, the that acoustic guitar is it's stunning the way that blends into the song um just just for a different take on it so it's just three for me you know is is there's a, there's a lot on there and it's it's really great also that great flaming youth the we instead of i mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so cool mm-hmm. that's great and, too. And, and you can really hear the woodwinds in that take six there's two versions there's an instrumental which is the final instrumental almost like a karaoke you know without peter and then there's one that's a different take and that one you could really hear bob's piano clearly and you can hear the woodwinds they're almost mixed up higher so you usually hear a lot of the the sultry str- strings but it was really nice hearing the woodwinds in that and I will say this, the one thing that bums a lot of KISS fans out is that this is not really a great Ace record. He was replaced on a couple of tracks, blah, blah, blah. But if you listen to those instrumentals, Ace is doing a shit ton of great, great, you know, harmony guitar parts, all the stuff that Bob would have said, we need to add this. And and Ace is doing all those, I'm, I presume. And it's just wonderful because I know they recorded looking at each other, the basic tracks. And so there's two guitar players in this band and one of them is playing the fat riff and that's Paul but I think Ace is doing a really an unsung job in making these wider expansive sounding songs Can again I- he, he rose to the occasion as well you know just like all the other members and yes there is that minor quibble that um Bob used Dick Wagner but you know what Joe Perry and Brad got over it with Train kept a rolling so uh you know what? It happens in the studio. And when you're working with someone like Bob Ezrin, Bob Ezrin is a musician and a genius. So he's going to do what's right for the song, whether your name's uh, Ace or Bruce Kulik. He replaced Bruce on stuff later as well. And he replaced Eric Carr on stuff later. And who knows what else is. Uh, guys yet and to Alice come Cooper. Out. Yeah. Glenn Buxton. And, and, yeah. Yeah. W- without a second thought. Ken, you had a thought. Yeah, well, I just kind of say, can I say one thing? This the one single that's still horrible 
is that single edit of Detroit Rock City. I oh. mean, it's oh. just so wrong that that was ever released like that. I mean, I just got to say, yeah. uh, every time I listen to that, it's like, it's just a chop job, job on it, you know? It's like, my it's, CD it's horrible. What happened? Ruins that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not I even mean, a decent edit. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's audio rape. Yeah. It is, it's it's a crime against humanity. That's they took right. the reel to Benny Hanna, and the chef did the knife thing on it. That's and what then, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's no, unfortunate. It's, it's just bad, but it needs to be there because again, oh yeah, it does it does tell a story of what had to be done to make mm -hmm. that sub three minute mark for radio airplay that you weren't even getting in most cases mm -hmm. uh, in the seventies. And it happened again. You know, I keep mentioning Aerosmith. It happened to them a lot with their singles, and they were brutalized as well. And, uh, you know, I had a, a long discussion with the manager about who was responsible for that. Um, and he asked who, who did it at Casablanca to kiss his stuff. So it, it, it's an open question. I think for me, disc three's high point is the absolutely stunning quality of the vocal version of None of Your Business. That sounds fully produced. That doesn't sound like an outtake. That sounds like nearly finished product ready for a few overdubs and seasoning and a bit of Ezra and magic. So that for me, if let's say I only got half the magnographic demos, by the time I got to none of your business, I would have been fully happy again because that is so stunning. And it's much better than the version that uh, Michael DeBar recorded with uh, Monarch or Detective, whichever the yeah, Detective, the first album, in which it was a slower, more countrified rock song than the primal scream therapy that I, I think Peter was taking out his vocal uh, um, on Bob for the drumming that he was putting him through <laughs> on that one, because it really does have a great energy. The other high points for me are the outtakes that I've never heard, the different um, alternate mixes where you hear a little bit at the end of those songs of comments or slightly different endings. So that disc there, I've got better versions of the instrumental of none of your business, but it's been processed. So does that then make it not welcome to fit in there because it can't be tweaked to fit the sound of the rest of the material? Um, same goes for, I think, uh, one of the other songs. Uh, again, collectors do have other things that do, in some cases, sound better because they have been highly processed by unprofessionals or people who think they, you know, can play around with bass and EQ or, you know, run it through EQ themselves. So that doesn't bother me. What does bother me is that new version of Beth. The synth in there is really freaking annoying to me because that sounds out of place and out of time. I like the acoustic guitars getting the full feature. Again, it's the, I think the same vocal, um, or yeah. if it's a different take, it's, you know, the same style, but those synths sound modern. They, they don't mm. sound right. They sound like some things, some trickery and we don't have credits for that. So I don't know because do those exist from 1976, going back to that earlier comment about why we wouldn't put the 78 version on. Right. So that's why I, I kind of take exception that I would much rather have had that phantom version because there'll never be a deluxe version of double platinum um, at all. So other than a second kiss box, there, there's no real home for it to go because you're not going to throw it on any of the solo albums mm -hmm. if a deluxe edition without takes them. All of those is done. 
So um, simply from that perspective, but maybe, and again, that's got a, um, another guitarist playing it, John Trapeg. So it, it wouldn't have mattered. And uh, I want to go back to one more thing from Disc 2 that I didn't mention. And that is, I think the transfers of stuff like um, Don't You Hesitate and what was the other one that was on the original Kiss Box in 2001, released 20 years ago? Uh, was it Out of Thunder? Yeah, it was Out of Thunder. It was on that. Um, sound superior to those versions from 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, so that, that's another uh, win that's a takeaway for me. Yeah, so. and, and if I could, one last thing about Ain't None of Your Business. The, the, so when I interviewed, the big mystery for me that's really never been, and, and even Ken, they dance around it in, in, in some of the comments here. Bob said to me when we first started the interviews, we did we did full recording sessions in September, and then the lawsuits came, we broke, and then we started in January. Corky Stasiak, who showed me, and as you know, Julian, his whole thing, and he mentions it here in, in this in this box set, that they started in January, and they recorded the whole album that month. The only thing that's fascinating is that Corky and Jay had nothing to do with Ain't None of Your Business. Nothing. They have no memory of it. Did not have anything to do. Bob must have recorded that with the band fully in what was the early versions of recording. So it wasn't just boot camp and working out demos and these alternate versions. They started recording the album. I think that's the part that was recorded because that's a full record plant recording. Oh, it's in there. Okay, very well. It's in there. Look <laughs> okay, at good. the look at the pictures of the real boxes, which is your goal that shows you when the initial recordings were done. First week of September, nineteen seventy-five. Okay, so there. For uh, except the the date is missing from the none of your business box, but that then that <laughs> then begs the question of when boot camp took place because they were finishing up alive in August 1975. Yeah, that's it's still insane mystery, that is. with the timeline. And Absolutely. they're touring. They got shows in between. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. They had a 10 day break between the end of August and hitting the road for the alive for the alive tour on that's September. Right. I think it was September 10th was the first date of that tour. Mm -hmm. So again, this doesn't have all the answers. This has more things that make you go, oh, Wow. And I, I'm sitting there looking at these things and saying they're recording this and they haven't even finished, you know, mixing and mastering right. alive and they're going out on tour. That just gives me so much more um, respect for yeah. them that they've been tortured by Bob already and he's already turning out songs. Again, read the Gotham. The, the Gotham is it should have been printed on gold leaf. Okay, that's great because I did not get to that. I did look at it and I wanted to look at that. Um, I thought maybe it might, might have been a repeat of the song by song that Ken did. There's a the little map. bit because there are comments, I think, that you've already got. You're not going to do a fresh interview with someone and rehash the same ground, you sure. know, when you've already got it and when you're putting together something. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, you know, I do the same, you know, I, I do interviews and then later on I go back and I, I don't ask the same questions again. So I, I, I don't want to waste that time. Lonnie. This Hi. three, did I get you already? You did. I did. Let's go to this I'm lost. Then I'm lost. There, this four. My, my notes are all screwed up. Let me up. get this thing up. Ah, disc four. <laughs> disc four and five. Ah, yes. Everyone take a breath. Olympia, Paris, France, May 1976. Mm -hmm. This is the most divisive volume in the box set. 
and rightfully so. The quality of it is nowhere near what circulates amongst collectors. Again, I preface that collectors are a special case of very special people, um, and but there is better. And I, I don't understand the reason why it's there when it's not even from the Destroyer tour, when it's an audience bootleg, when it doesn't feature all of the songs that were from the album that were performed during the proper tour, which ran July through September of 1976. James, what's your take on this recording with fresh ears um, about it being included on this box set when we know there are other things? Well, I, I just, it sounds bad. It, it's, it, it's a shame because everything you said, I agree with, it just sounds bad. So everything sounds so pristine and amazing and updated and clear and, and this is a mess. The band is not particularly on the first two or three songs Someone's completely out of tune for half of it. And they're trying to tune, as you could tell, when Paul's doing his rap. I mean, completely out of tune, which is very distracting for me. And um, the one thing I did note, which is really good, and they, they end strong, though. They end really strong. Peter's playing way too fast. And not yeah. it's not always his fault, because they're starting some of these songs, like Cole Jim. They're the ones starting this thing. It's like they're just trying to get through the show. It's just a weird, and from what I understand in Europe, and it was mentioned in the in the booklet for the box set, they didn't have all their pyrotechnics and the normal things. So they had to kind of readjust in some of these places. Uh, but the one thing I did notice, which I think historically is a really cool aspect of this, and they could have used Anaheim. They could have fixed up Roosevelt. They could have taken, I've, I've heard at least a half a dozen really good shows from the, uh, the American destroyer tour, which again, even in the booklet, they're like, this is the first part of the destroyer tour. Not really. It wasn't really, they weren't wearing the destroyer. You know, they didn't advertise it as that, but okay, that's fine. You, you, it's just real semantics. The one thing I found fascinating is every time they played a Destroyer song, it was in the tempo of the Destroyer song, and it was good. It was tight. The vocals were there. It's almost like the older material. They got a little rusty, or they were just trying to whip through. But those songs, they were like, okay, everybody, we're going to do Shout It Out Loud now. We're going to do Flaming You. We better pay attention to this. And I thought they were the best parts of it. But overall, this is a big, big L, I think. Yeah, it, it's still fresh in their minds as new songs in the set. And I think Flaming Youth hadn't been in the set very long by the time they hit Europe, which was advertised as a destroyer tour okay. out there. But, you know, it, there they are going back into basically the Beacon Theater rather than, uh, you know, some of the larger venues that they'd played during the Alive tour because Europe was just a completely different place. Lonnie, the live album. Um, I had high hopes for this. And then I had heard that it's, was really crappy and then i think it really really lowered my expectations about like bottomed out my expectations so when i listened to it um i was actually a little pleasantly surprised because my expectations had become so low in the months leading up to the release um it, it was <clears throat> excuse me it was okay i do agree that it would have been it would have been better to um, has something from the American Leg of the Destroyer tour proper in the summer of 76. Spirit of 76 tour really kind of hyped that up as the as the live disc. Um, but I agree though that the the live songs the live songs sound sloppy, where they really sound even though they've been playing the live songs over and over and over again, the Destroyer songs sound really well rehearsed and really crisp compared to stuff that I think they were just sludging through, like, oh, I'm tired of playing Strutter every night type thing. <coughs> so 
I, I think I was more pleasantly surprised because I had lowered my expectations so low because people saying no, it's really bad. It's, I have better recordings than so what they put on there. It it it, it was okay. Uh, I'm not gonna give it the L like James did, but I will say it was okay because and I, and I the only reason I think it was okay is because my expectations were so low. But um, it could have been, but it, at the same time, it could have been so much more. Um, it could have been, it could have been the highlight of the disc, um, the, the highlight of the box set, having a because Kiss is a live band, having a great quality live recording from the Destroyer tour from forty five years ago, that is so cleaned up and sounds comparable to the other discs on the set would have been would have been the the stamp on this on the set. Yeah, now some of the other recordings from the tour include Toronto Soundboard, which is not that great. I find that one problematic, at least what circulates. And again, you have to go back to what sources are available and for what sort I guess what sort of price. Um, then there is Roosevelt, which is, I, I don't know if that is a soundboard capture or whether that's from the video feed, which mm. uh, inherently would have dynamic problems itself. So again, I don't have the answer to that. Anaheim is certainly captured on a soundboard because Eddie Kramer engineered the live recording. And I think I've mentioned previously that that, I guess, has a contract that's still valid mm. attached to it that might have monetary issues. Um, the video obviously is fantastic and there are some options for that. Uh, but again, it comes back to um, what I think are probably a case of economics or they didn't like the performance that could also come into it. You know, when they listen back to, and uh, again, it's, is it, how much input does KISS have in this? Does Paul Stanley sit there listening to soundboards from this tour saying, no, I don't like that. I didn't sound good. Ooh, A sounds bad there. Gene, you missed a note. You know, is, is that how it works or is it someone else or a group of other people, you know, kind of evaluating what is available to them? So I don't have the answers to that. But I will say I've listened to the full box set something like 24 times now. Wow. from stream I, I had to listen to it three or four times before i even started writing my review so it, it's been in continuous <laughs> rotation i've not skipped it once so even though i've got better of that particular show i haven't replaced it with what i've got i'm leaving it in there uh, so it's not bothering me that much as much as i don't think it's a good representation or uh it, it's kind of like the crazy uncle in the box set so it's just, just going to be what it's going to be. Hey, Julian, do you have a digital version of that better version? Because I'd like to compare it. Do you have a digital you could share with me, a, a, a version of that? Yeah, of it, it, came, it came out Yeah, it came out on a bootleg several years ago, an upgraded quality. Uh, I'd like one, to hear so. that and just hear the difference, yeah. I just think the playing, too, is not great. But anyway, go ahead. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Ken? So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Um the thing is, I think I think my my bootleg vinyl from that I got in the '80s, the Stoned in Paris vinyl, set may sound a little bit better even um, than, than yeah. this. Um, I, I you know I do agree that the the, the you know the, uh, the Destroyer songs were seemed to be played better um, and you know timed better. Um, so I always like Black Diamond, even though the quality that it's in. I always love Black Diamond. But, um, and it has a few more songs than what was on my um, bootleg. So my bootleg didn't have all, the whole 
list of songs here is missing a few. So, yeah, I think they should have done done more of a potpourri kind of thing. You know, they could have used a couple songs from here live, a couple songs from Into the Storytelling on another show. You know, kind of pick and choose the best from each of those different live shows and put them together as these are some, you know, live performances from the story. And maybe, you know, two versions, a different version, you know, of uh, Detroit Rock City in, in this city and Detroit Rock City in, a, you know, in another city. I don't know. But oh, I think that they, that's a good idea. You mean just the songs from Destroyer played in different Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a good yeah, idea. Yeah, you know, Flaming Youth and, and Beth or whatever. Uh, though Beth is going to pretty much sound the same every time um, because of the, you know, the, the tr back tracking or whatever they, did, but, they didn't do bath on that not tour until either. Roll over tour, yeah. oh they didn't do it that's right no, okay. not until the end of the year that's later right because it's all right so but yeah in, in that manner do something like that i i think would have been maybe a better choice you know it was cool for me though real quick to give it one little <laughs> positive <laughs> spin at the end here um because i'm so used to ace's solo part in alive uh in she i think uh mm -hmm. It's so great to hear him just go off and, and do the full solo there. That was kind of neat. You know what I mean? I didn't expect it. It was surprising. I had it on in the background. I was listening. Because when I started playing, I was like, oh, God, this is not good. But I kept it on. You know, I turned it down a little bit because it was a little, you know, bootleggy sounding. But when that came up, oh, my ears perked up. And I'm like, this is cool to have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not devastated by it. I'm, I'm no. you know, I, I know rumors went out, you know, way early that it was a soundboard. And I think that probably set people's expectations, those who saw that in completely the wrong direction. So, you know, if they weren't going to include a live component, I don't know what else there's left audio wise to make up a fourth CD or, or disc set, because you're really at the bottom of the barrel in terms of demos that weren't included. You know, there aren't a lot of known other material that I'm aware of. There's another uh, short rehearsal of Sweet Pain that didn't get on it, but it's incomplete. And I think it's like two minutes long. There's like a minute 40 worth of a second rehearsal of King of the Nighttime World. Well, that's four minutes if you stretch the fade out, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know that they missed much for what actually does exist or was available to them. And that's what I think is one of the big takeaways from this, that this really is the monument to Destroyer, that it is all there. And the live show is what it is. You know, it, 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 again, I, I haven't thrown it away. I won't throw it away. I'm not <laughs> skipping it at this point um, of still enjoying the overall product. Um, do you think, real quick, do you guys think it would have been prudent, and I don't know who owns this, and of course Stan Pendrich has left us now, but mm -hmm. the original demo of Beck that you could hear on YouTube, which, it, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, could they have included that, you know, could to be like the bottom line? You know how they did with John Lennon's Imagine where they showed it, I forget what they called the evolution, where they yeah, would show yeah. the beginning of the song, his demo, the blah, blah, blah. It's since Beth is such a seminal kiss moment, and certainly for this record and for their career, as Julia mentioned earlier, maybe give it that kind of thing. But I don't know. I, I don't know what the legal aspect of that is, I'm sure. Maybe Stan owned it. 
Yeah, pro probably come flex. Cool. And, and I'm going to go with Ken's. Uh, that's from 1971, so that wouldn't have fit any more than the 1978 <laughs> version. There you go. At least it's before. So, just totally it's dismissed before, that. Yeah. And, and, then you, and then you have some fans complaining, why he's singing about Jeff Beck? Oh, actually, this is 2021. They probably don't know who Jeff Beck is. So. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some of the egregious omissions to the audio components before we get into the HD audio. Was there anything that you felt should have been on there, uh, demo or alternate kind of stuff that uh, wasn't there? Lonnie? Be Beck was, was the one thing I thought that should have been there, actually. James stole it. Really? <laughs> James <laughs> stole what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, I mean, you, you have the different versions of Beth that are on there, and you have the instrumental that outtake number six, whatever it is, on there too. Um, but I, but I thought, but I did think, I mean, and you have like that Paul Stanley early, early version of, of Detroit Rock City, which is such a staple song, obviously. Why not that early, early version of Beck, so that fans, and not because not all fans are like us that have just perused the internet or collected bootlegs forever. So that you are, and to and just to clean it up too, but to have that whole history of that song to show how it was originally presented in 1971 to the version that we know now, mm -hmm. and then even to this this cleaned up version that Julie doesn't care for on disc two, um, it, it it would have been it could have shown the whole evolution of that song. I, to me, that's that's my one big glaring omission is that I feel that should definitely have been on there. I think the Dubai version of God of Thunder should have been down there. Well, you're not getting that. <laughs> Give it up. Oh, my God. That is my favorite thing on this show, is you guys talking about something that was supposed to be mailed eight months ago. Ken, you're my hero. I would have, uh, I would have been suing and burning down buildings by now. You got the patience of Job. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> I, I shan't. Yeah. I'm don't, sorry. Don't put, a, don't put a quarter in that machine. Don't <laughs> go there. Lottie brought it up. We, we, <laughs> still got the, we still got the packaging to get through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where, you know, I, I just want to say Lonnie mentioned uh -oh. about the, you know, the Beth thing um, and Beck, putting Beck in. Um, you know, they could have done, and this is what I, you've seen some artists today, they've done, there's box sets for just one song. Where they have an artist, uh, it's just a huge song or whatever. I can't remember which artist, but I've seen it a couple of times. Where the whole box set is just all on this one song, and it has all these different versions of it and everything, and they make a box set out of it, just one song. It's like, well, then maybe they could have done that. No. <laughs> With Beth. Yeah, we don't, don't need a Beth box set. Uh, this is the point. Don't don't give them any ideas. I mean, Duran Duran's night mixes are the uh, <laughs> as far as I want to go in terms of insanity. Um, all right, let's talk Stephen Wilson. The high definition audio mixes mm. um, only playable on pe for people who have the capability to do Atmos True HD and DTS. It does also include a PCM that I've got massive issues with. That PCM stereo, it's like they converted from 96 down to 44.1, and you don't do uh, decimals in audio uh, conversions. It should have gone to 48, um, but I, I need to recheck all that. It seems to be running a little slow. High definition audio, um, James. Uh, what, one last addendum. Did you guys notice that there's a hidden track 23 and 24 on on three? There I think are. Three. The reconstructed audio bits. Really cool. Really cool seeing the, the, the long oh, yeah. version of the... You could really hear Corky singing rock and roll all night in the car. And then they have that one, mm -hmm. you know, the, the soundtrack or the uh, 
the uh, sound effect of the car crash. Wait, were those the, were those the those were the original ones that Bob constructed, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool to hear that because uh, I remember Corky talking about it and saying you could really hear me singing along, and you kind of can, but they put like like an effect on it, like it's an engine singing it, but you could really hear Corky there. Um, I was blown away. I, I have a Denon 7.1 mixer, and I have seven speakers in my living room, and I have a wow. Blu-ray player, so it's stupid. My brother-in-law is like a audiophile, so he's like, you have to have this. So I built it over the years. So when this when I pulled that disc out, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna. Everyone leave the house. I threw my daughter and my my wife out, and I said, "We're gonna blast this." And I just put a chair in the sweet spot of my living room, and I gotta tell you, it was a revelation. Everything we said about the new mix, so many new things, so many cool stuff. Even with like those cool little uh, leads that Ace does at the end of um, Flaming Youth goes from here to here and and back, and and the voices, the kids' voices surround you, uh, the choir that comes in, just gorgeous. And I will say. The one thing, I have so much to say about this, but I, I'll just leave it as, it was just, some, I found it to be a sublime experience, completely worth it. Did not get to the DTS version, but just the surround sound version was amazing, 5.1. I, I've, I've said this in this podcast before, in other podcasts and other interviews, and it's in my book. Dick Wagner, before he passed, said that he played on four of the songs, and he definitely didn't play on Flaming Youth, and I mentioned that he said he thought he played on God of Thunder. I went back to Bob Ezrin, Bob and I listened to the song together, albeit over the phone. Bob couldn't tell for sure, but he thought that was a possibility. When I hear that now in the surround sound, there's just no way that's Ace for Lee. It doesn't sound, not that Ace couldn't do it. It just doesn't sound like Ace at all. It's just got that Dick Wagner thing. So that jumped out at me. So many really cool things. The piano in, uh, in Great Expectations, the, the, the Beethoven thing that he does, Bob does there, all of that stuff. Just I just love the surround sound mix of this. It was worth the 200 bucks. Awesome. That's high praise indeed. Anytime a Kiss fan says that was worth 200 bucks. So, <laughs> so someone is very pleased for you making that observation. Lonnie. Um, I've, I've listened to it and it's, and you know, it, some stuff jump out at me. Um, however, I, I, a new receiver is actually what's on my Christmas list to my wife, and it, and it, it's no joke. Before, even before this came out, that it, what's on the my Christmas list to my wife that I, that's what I really want, um, because I want to be able to experience what James experienced listening to this. I mean, it it was it, it was good, and I could I could hear some. Oh, that, that sounds a little bit different. Oh, that sounds, or or is it me trying to hear something different, or or did I really hear something different there, or did, did something jump it out at me? I'm not sure. But that that is um that is, that is on the to do list is to is to have that experience. So um, well, I, I did. Listen you, to I it hope I, you didn't buy too much Kiss shit this year, and that you're not on the yeah. naughty list. Well, <clears throat> them releasing those vinyls back to back last week really kind of put you in the doghouse. Yeah, a little, a little, it's not it's not been good around here. Um, so, <laughs> Yes, um, please stop it. We we want shit, but not that well, much. It won't go. I I, I had almost talked myself into you know what I think I need to buy that. I didn't think I need to buy the, the vinyl version of this, and I was getting ready to pull the trigger on it when Elder came out, and then Rock and Roller came out the next day. I'm like, all right, that's gonna have to wait a little bit. But, um, I, I so I have listened to it, but it's it not to the experience that I want to just yet. Ken, how about you? Yeah, well, let me just tell you that the the Dolby stuff does not work uh, coming out of uh, 
a flat screen speakers on the TV. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, it just sounded it sounded kind of strange to me. Um, the only thing that did work though, uh, because yeah, I don't have that set up. Unfortunately, I don't have a big you know surround system. Um, but I think I'm going to have to now. <laughs> like Lonnie. Um, but uh, the the last version on it, the, just the straight you know the stereo mix the very at the end that sounded really good that sounded really really good to me um so i'm thinking well gee you know if that sounded that good then if i got the you know got set up properly i'd be able to enjoy the rest of it um unfortunately that's all i could listen to is the stereo version but again that was worth it for me because that was really good okay so i don't have the gear oh. in an apartment Oh, go ahead. And then I'll one second. Sorry, sorry, Julian. The, the but though on the stereo version, that last version, it does not have the uh, Ace version. It, ha it has the original uh, Dick Wagner solo on that version. Yeah, and that's my one of my quibbles is that song should okay. be on one of the other discs mm -hmm. uh, and should not be relegated to a Blu-ray only because there will be people who own who don't own a Blu-ray and don't own Resurrected. So it is it, part of the story of Destroyer and should just be included in regular format. Minor quibble. All right, so like I said, I live in an apartment, so I don't have a surround sound other than when cars drive by my windows, everyone hears often on this show. So what I did was do line out from my Blu-ray player into my Zoom at 96K, 32-bit, and I captured my own stereo mix down of the uh, Atmos 5.1 in order to get an impression of it. And that is a completely different perspective or listening experience to listening in pure 5.1. But you do also hear the separation speaker wise uh, in stereo of where some of the changes are. It's not going to make me go out and buy a surround sound uh, because again, I don't have the space. So uh, it will make me find a friend in San Francisco who has a 5-1 system and uh, I'll be nice to them. So I'll bring some coffee over. Uh, can I have 36 minutes of your time, please, to listen to to this so i i do want to hear it i've listened to the the true hd and tried to do a capture on that it's not coming through stereo very well and same with the dts but the atmos was very easy to capture and convert like that and i've already thrown it into my my flack folder um, and added it to my destroyer uh, deluxe edition or 45th anniversary edition listening experience. So it, it's very interesting. I, I thought that it's authored nicely. You get a nice menu with all that stuff. You do tracks, play the whole album. It's got an animated thing that plays on your screen. Yeah. Of the, yeah. Of the cover with stuff that was good. Flames that was in the background. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yep. Well, open invitation. You guys just get on a plane, come to Jersey. We'll crank it up real loud. Get a case <laughs> There of you go. Next and... time I'm. Yes. Over there, yeah. Anytime. Uh, I'm over. <laughs> oh, I'll be doing another East Coast visit soon. So, um, let's well, talk about. Yeah. Oh, I hope I hope to be able to see folk when I'm out there instead of zooming around to Aerosmith sites and breaking into auditoriums to stand on stages. So, uh, super deluxe packaging. So, we will talk about the LP 
as well, which I got the colored vinyl and absolutely beautiful. I'm singing the praises of this. I haven't been this impressed in a Kiss LP package for a long time. They it, they put it on two CDs. They did the original 1976 Dustly for LP1, and then they created a custom for LP2, which oh, cool. is some of the items that are included in the uh, Super Deluxe booklet, which, and uh, I think th those are the photos um that are included as eight by tens and they're really good selection i sang those praises uh for the items but i only really want to focus on the uh, the super deluxe as well oh one last thing on the lp it comes with a pretty good sized uh booklet which is a condensed version of what's yeah. in the super deluxe book so super deluxe is obviously where all the fun is at for people who are into that sort of thing uh, there's a lot of stuff included in it. I mean, what are some of the items that stand out to your taste and some of those that don't, Ken? Yeah, um, definitely, you know, the tour book um, is a very nice thing to have. Not everyone has a tour book from 1976, and if you're going to get one, it's going to cost you a bundle of money on eBay. So, yeah, it's a little bit smaller version of it, but it's it's fully replicated to the original. Uh, version. So I think that was a nice touch uh, that they did that. Um, the blueprints are cool to see the blueprints for the stage, you know, the stage uh, that were drawn up. Um, the two posters were nice. Um, the one you know, overlooking, you know, uh, New York and then, the, of course, the Paul Lind one. Um, and then the Kiss Army kit um, that you would get. Um, and actually you get, but there's so much more stuff, but the basic kit is still there, you know, the folder and the the press photos and the Kiss News Army newsletter and other stuff like that was uh, very cool. And then they just put in, you know, the kitchen sink as far as, you know, stickers and other photos that they had. Uh, there were some live photos, um, concert prints. But uh, I, I you talked about this earlier, uh, Julian, about the, the Gotham you know newspaper um that is fantastic but the problem with that one they should have put it in the book it yes because i missed it i i yeah all that it is so delicate yeah. and I, thin. I barely wanted to touch it yeah i'm scared yeah i'm scared to really handle it too much because I'm, I'm afraid i'm gonna rip i'm gonna you know rip okay it let, let, let me just say this i scanned mine i unfolded it i cleaned out the, the the seams when I flipped it over to scan well, the other side. Scan, and, then. and then I put it back together and <laughs> it it's still it's fine. It's it's like tissue it's like But not tissue. everyone has a scanner, Julian. So anyway well, I, it, it's very it's first world problems, buddy. I know. It's very delicate. Uh, I'm just saying it's very delicate. I think it really should have been another section within the book. I would have rather have had it in the book. Uh, that's just my opinion. Though, I can see what they're doing here. They do have this as volume one. So I expect they may do another little thin newspaper again. Or if they do it again for volume two, which could be whatever, out, rock and roll over box it or whatever else, that they put it on a heavier paper if they're not going to put it within the book itself. But but otherwise, the, the, the merchandise, it's, it's just just great i mean there's so much stuff uh you just sit there and look at and read and, and it's just a, a nice little thing it makes you feel like you're that kid kiss fan back in the day when you first opened that kiss album for the first time so it's really 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 good 
yeah, no, they, they definitely hit a home run. I'll, I'll give mine afterwards. Lonnie. You know, it, it is everything that you wanted it to be. I mean, we, we've seen these box sets over the years uh, that other bands have put out. And we, we've sat on this show and we've sat on the FAQ message board and complained that why doesn't Kiss do things like this? Where, where, Where's our box set for, for our favorite album? So here it is. The, here's a Destroyer 45th anniversary. And there's literally everything in there you could want from the tour book to the Kiss Army you know kits to you know the miniature posters to the big thick book that that detail gives you all the details that you want it it, it really is everything that you could want it, it, they totally hit it out of the park with what's included in here um i i can't sit here and say well you know what i wish they would have put this trinket in there because like ken said they put the, everything including the kitchen sink in there they they gave you everything you could possibly want for destroyer um that i don't like any kiss fan walked away thinking that well the packaging well it, it no no one is saying that the packaging left anything to be desired it is i, I think i think the inclusion of the tour book I mean, we've sat on this show multiple times so why don't they put out a big book that has like all the versions of the tour book in there well mini reproductions that here's, works here's, too. here's a, yeah, a, a mini reproduction of the destroyer tour book man i will take that any day of the week and if you know somehow some way things like this continue and we get more of these sets and we can get more miniature tour books and more trinkets and more stickers and miniature posters from different eras of the band man sign me up because this did deliver everything in a package that you'd want i mean like there's the there's a super deluxe appetite for destruction that came out it has all kinds of miniature trinkets and singles and this and that and just anything you could want in there this this lives up to that um at a fraction of the cost too so um so si sign me up sign me up Don't for this and me. sign me up for more yeah it's it's a it's a box full of destroyer and and just so that you do know uh tom german the head designer did do podcast appearances with both three sides of the coin and kiss my collectibles when he went into quite a lot of the details about the design process um, that went into this and i think that attention to detail shows with the selection of items that are included um, within it the tour book for me is a definite no-brainer um, top-notch item i love the book i also love that mm -hmm. you don't lose out on more writing about it in the Gotham news. And I think that's a very quirky kind of original way to approach having the story of Destroyer separated from the minutia track by track uh, if it's not able to be housed in the same volume for whatever reason. So I, I think that's cool. Some of the other stuff, I, I'm not big on collectibles and stuff like that. So it really is the music to me, but it's hard not to um, respect the posters. Uh, again, a good choice of images. Um, the inclusion of the blueprints is very cool to see and because that stage just does tell a story about what they were trying to do with their first major stage show mm -hmm. um even if the live recording that they included in the box isn't for that stage um but the stickers the reproduction of the quality canadian stuff is very 
very good. But those photos, those four eight by eight by tens, I think they are that are included, and they're artistic ones of multiple yeah. exposures, very well selected. They look great. Um, the poster, uh, the postcards. I can do without. I, I like them as the, uh, you know, they're from the chopper sessions. Um, and then, of course, the reproduction membership kit. You know, I looked at that once and that'll probably be it for me because, again, my passion is just not in that area. So the book will stay as will the, the Gotham News. Um, James, what's your take on the packaging of the Super Deluxe? Yeah, I agree with Lonnie. He reminds me of, he just reminded me of something you guys talked about when this was first announced and you were like, you know, looking forward to it. And on the podcast, you were saying people need to buy this. Even Mark, who who hates destroyers, like I'm going to get this because we need to buy this. We need to support this. This is this is they're coming out of the gate with this, but they came out of the gate and they had to kill it because they couldn't mess this up. Whether you I mean, listen, I there's only one book about there's two. Excuse me. Julian wrote his book with Tim on on the um, on Odyssey Box. on the uh, the Elder, and I wrote it on Kiss Destroyer. And they came right out of the box with Destroyer, which everybody in the band agrees is their maybe their finest moment. I do think so. So they gave it that kind of gravitas. They gave it that kind of respect, and I think that was huge. It's huge for the fans to go out and support it. So you get one for Rock and Roll Over, or you get one for Alive, or something like that. But it's it's important that the band or the people around this produced, and they did. This was being like a kid, I agree with Ken, and, and it was like, and the where it really hit home for me is when I first got Destroyer at 13 in June of 1976, uh, I wanted to join the KISS Army, but you know, it's like one of those things, should I write them, and blah, blah, do I have the five dollars, whatever the hell it was then, really, I mean, and I hemmed and hawed and never did it. So to get what I would have gotten you know what I mean? The 13-year-old me, I kind of, it just made, it was just glowing. It's like, you're part, of, and it gave you that certificate where you put your name yeah. in it and welcome to, <laughs> that was, I swear, like, I, I felt like a little kid. And that, that alone was worth it. I mean, the other stuff I'm with you, Julian, I'm probably never going to look at again. I do want to obviously want to look at the, uh, the, uh, that extra uh, paper there because there were some things in the book and I know, and I talked about it, with the, uh, you know, I emailed back and forth with Ken about this. Ken Sharp, who did a fabulous job as he always does. Um, that I wish in the booklet there was something about Kim Fowley or something about Dick Wagner or something about the Brooklyn Boys. Qu thank you. Uh, so, I, But in the booklet is what I'm saying. But thank you for that. I'm so glad it's in there because I was like, wait a minute. The thing that makes Destroyer so much fun is that it does have a lot of things going on that are coming in to support Kiss and that they were cool enough as I said in an earlier podcast with you guys about this record, that Paul gave up God of Thunder, that, you know, uh, that they put, you know, Beth with nothing but just an orchestra on it, nobody in Kiss except for Peter singing, all the things that are in this. And I think this box set celebrates that beautifully. And I think the tchotchkes in there was a cool little element of that. But again, being 59 now, I'm not going to be looking at this stuff much anymore. I'll be listening to the music, though, especially that yeah. disc three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is the music that is the foundation of everything for me, uh, especially as someone who became a fan during an era where it certainly wasn't the image <laughs> asylum. Right, um, right. So, you know, there has been a debate about the packaging, and it's only fair to acknowledge that people are saying that they don't like that there wasn't a vinyl component to this box. And I disagree with them. 
because I seldom buy vinyl these days, and I want that choice as to whether I'm going to buy a vinyl component for it rather than it to be hoisted on me or um, and have to pay an additional 45 or 50. But look at what the cost of the vinyl, you know. So it's going to add that to the cost of the box. So I disagree with that. Do, do any of you think that it should have been in there? Um, regardless, Lonnie? I like that there's a choice. You know, I, I, I like the fact that I can buy, that they gave us plenty of options and typical KISS faction that you can buy this, you can buy this, you can buy this, or you can buy everything. It's up to you. Um, but I like the fact that the Super Deluxe was just CDs. Well, it's easier for me to rip my CDs, you know, into files that I can listen to on my phone or something like that, too. So all the music, all the music was right there on the CDs. I could have it on my phone. I could listen to it when I'm working out or do, doing chores or whatever immediately. I didn't have to, well, I can only listen to this on vinyl. I have to go here to listen to it. Um, it's 2021. I should be able to listen, you know, people want to listen to their music wherever they want it. So, if, but if you want the vinyl, there it is. You can go buy it. Don't, no one's telling you not to. So I, I like the fact that, that they gave us multiple options of how we wanted to consume it. James? Yeah, I'm a vinyl guy. So I was, I, as I said earlier, Lonnie wasn't with us at the beginning. Lonnie, I, you know, I've got that Japanese version, which I, I think is the quintessential. And then I, of course, I have the original 76 version, but, uh, you know, Ken had brought up how impressed he was. Julian said it was one of the best, if not the best packaging for vinyl. So I'll probably go out um, and get the vinyl. But I, no, I think that this is a perfect package the way it is. Just perfect. And we didn't even talk about the, the cover, the reproduction of the cover on the cover of the of the the box set is gorgeous. The colors oh, yeah. just pop and it looks almost three-dimensional. It's it's again very respectful reproduction of Ken Kelly's uh you know brilliant cover. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done I I think separate is the smart move. We have way too many Kens in this conversation. Ken, Ken, and Ken Kelly. You know, we're up to three Kens now. So so let's go to our as we as they say in Liverpool, our Ken. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I understand. I, I think it's it makes sense to have a CD set alone, a box set. Uh, though, I I would have I would have bought a vinyl version if they just had no CDs in it. If they had vinyl of everything that's in it in the box, I would yeah, have bought that. I think so with too. All the I good, with all the book down. and good. Yes. I I would have. Um, uh, maybe and maybe because you know what vinyl is out selling you know digital these days um so i i don't know it, it just seems to me that it would have could have been a another box set they could have had a vinyl box set and a cd box set um so you can have a choice or you buy both you know uh, which could very well happen i probably would have bought both okay final tally time uh, what's your overall kind of uh, evaluation of this super deluxe treatment. Does it do justice as the final monument to Kiss's Destroyer? And you can use any metric you want to uh, come up with that evaluation, Lonnie. Um, I have I have very little complaints about it. You know, we, we talked about the Paris thing, or maybe we could have had a better audio um, for the live show. I, I give it a 9 out of 10. I, I wish I, I I wish there was a better live concert, and I wish that they had included Beck on there because we could see the evolution of 
one of their staple songs. But other than that, I, I, I really don't have anything that makes me upset about this. It's um it's it's Destroyer celebrated the way it should be. It's our first Kiss Deluxe box set that like we've been wanting for a long time. And it delivers. Um, the remaster of, of Disc 1, all of Gene Paul's demos on 2, all the outtakes and the mono mixes and single edits on 3, and, and, and even the Paris Disc 4, it, it, it delivers for me. It really, truly does. Um, it, it, was, it was, again, I guess I can say it was money well spent for me. And I'm I'm glad I got it, and I you know encourage anyone to do the same because it's it is magnificent. Yeah. So like you, I, I when I did the poll on the FAQ, I I ranked it four out of five, and I took a point away because the live volume is a smudge on a absolutely flawless pane of glass, um, and only for that reason it exceeds expectations in every single way possible. Otherwise. Um, I, I don't have any complaints about design, execution, a uh, couple minor quibbles, and, and and that that really is it. Ken. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. Um, and I I did answer that poll. I did four out of five also for the same, pretty much the same reason uh, as you. Um, the only thing is, I think they maybe could have put instead of maybe that live, which is kind of a disappointment and put resurrected in there in that slot um as a as a possibility um maybe there's a contract with bob and they can't you know something going on there and they can't do it it has to be only on you know it's, it has to be separate i don't know but i think they could have done that as an alternative if they couldn't find a a decent you know you know live recording otherwise yeah it exceeds everything it's fantastic to have it's going to bring in i think it's going to bring in new, some new fans and then, and then even bring back some old fans who, who were into Kiss maybe back then and and, and fell off, you know, uh, off the truck or whatever, you know. That beautiful the metallic underprint box. Is yeah, yeah, really it's, it's, it's a nice guy. mylar kind of reflective cover. It's it's fantastic. So, uh, well done, and uh, I can't wait for the next. Yeah, so hold that thought on Resurrected because I want to come back to that after okay. I, I get James's um, overall. Yeah, I'll try to make this quick because, you know, uh, I, I've only owned four box sets. Uh, the two Pete Townsend ones that he came out at the early aughts uh, for Quadrophenia and Tommy, all the demos and everything, totally worth it. The Sign of the, Time one, Sign of the Times, the Prince one that came out last year, which has got like 80 songs on there. That's unreal. That, it really is unreal. And this. And this is right there. I mean, you know how much I revere this record. It's one of my favorite records of all time, not only my favorite Kiss record of all time. Totally happy with it. I agree with you guys. I give it a 9 out of 10 or a 4 out of 5. Not only because the, the bootleg sounded like a bootleg, uh, we could have done better there, but also what, what Ken and, and, and uh, Julian said earlier, uh, Lonnie, you know, I think you probably agree, it needed a video. We needed a live DVD video of something. You know, it's a live visual band. That's a glaring omission. And I think that's the only reason why it's not a 10 out of 10. But this was so much fun and a fantastic box set. Really top notch. Okay. So that, that point that Ken raised that reminded me of one thing, and I do want to end on this as the very last question of this episode, Bob Ezrin. 
So resurrected, there was discussion um, and a thought with the track listing of the HD audio disc that resurrected would have been the base for that uh, HD because he'd gone back to tapes in 2012 to do his version. That is not the case. There are not the vocal fixes to going down 95 instead of doing 95 um, on there. And they had to create all new crash sounds because those are mixed in with Bob's version. So uh, that that is just an observation that's now known uh, after the fact. The, the point I want to raise about Bob Ezrin is one that has been raised on the message board and el elsewhere. And James, I'll start with you on this. Should Bob Ezrin have been more involved in this project rather than being relegated uh, by appearances to new interview material? That is a great question. And it never, you know, it's funny. It never really occurred to me. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I set off to, to write the book because I was a huge Bob fan and I wanted to interview Bob and spend time with him. And we st still email each other. I sent him all my tapes, not only of my interviews with him, but also with the late Dick Wagner and Kim Fowley for his own memoirs, which he's working on mm. now. So he means the world to me. Uh, but the funny thing is, it never really occurred to me, but that is an excellent point. Why wasn't he brought in to do a mix? Why would, Maybe because he already did Resurrected, maybe he told them, I've already been there, done that. He's working on new music all the time, just produced the last uh, Detroit Stories album with Alice Cooper. So maybe he just didn't have the time. Uh, maybe they just didn't want to pay him. I know that he's had troubles with Paul Stanley lately. Uh, I don't know really, and I know that Paul and Gene didn't have a lot to do with this. I mean, the gentleman who put it together that was on Three Sides and, and uh, Kiss Collectibles, uh, he said that Gene and Paul really never got involved directly with how he put it together. So that's a great question. I don't know. I, it, it, now that you mention it, it does seem kind of odd, but to tell you the truth, this is the first time it really was like, oh yeah because I got this whole thing and I listened to it because I know, I understand George Martin has passed, but again, his son has gone through the Abbey and done the remixes. Even when his hearing, and I'm, Bob's hearing's not going, but when George's hearing started to go when he was still alive and they did remixes and remasters of Sgt. Pepper's, he didn't, he wasn't directly involved in that. So it's a great point. I don't know what you guys think, but I really don't, it's the first time I've even thought about it, but it's an excellent question. Yeah, my opinion is that the artist, and Bob is the artist in this case, should not be involved in his own mon monument. Just like we don't put mm -hmm. living people on coins, um, we shouldn't be naming buildings after them while they're still with us. Um, I, I don't think that you need to have him involved in any other way than fleshing out the story, because as you just pointed out, he had his shot in 2012 and did Resurrected, which still stands uh, as, you know, many fans love that version and his updating of it and what he brought to it then. So what are you going to repeat? Well, why don't you get someone modern, Steve Wilson, um, you know, to do your remix? Bob's done one. You know, so w what input do you think Bob Ezrin's going to have now that he didn't have in 2012, didn't have in interviews and everything? Um, this is as much a monument to Bob Ezrin as it is to Kiss. And if Kiss, Gene and Paul didn't have much direct uh, involvement in it, then I think it's perfectly fine that Bob doesn't either. I would only hope that Bob is happy with that monument that's been sculpted to his work uh, in a very important period in his life and what he did for Kiss, uh, the band, in 1975-76. Lonnie? I, I agree. If, if Gene and Paul didn't have a whole lot to do with it, why why should Bob? Um, 
Bob, Bob got his, Bob did a, um, a remix of it in, in 2012. And like Julian said, a lot of people love that, that remix. That that is their go-to version of the shirt and more power to it. If that's the case, that's fine. But I, is, is he going to come in and remix it again? What, what, what would the point of that be at this juncture? So I, I think that having the, you know, these raw instrumentals and then showing what these songs became and just showing the process, I think is, is, is perfect. I, I don't, I don't think that just as Gene and Paul were involved, I don't, I don't think Bob needed to be either. I'm so glad you made it today. Thank you. Thank Lon. you for <laughs> yeah, accepting my you, tardiness. <laughs> Ken, I'm going to give you the final word. The final word. Yeah. All, all hail voice of reason to speak. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it was, it's, it's great here talking with you, all you about this box set or from KISS that we've, you know, been been praying for or, or you know, hoping for uh, for many years now. Um, looks like they're on the, off to a good, you know, fantastic start uh, to hopefully a, a, a continued series of box sets. Um, Destroyer is is a fantastic. I know you know we have our little nitpicky things here and there, but uh, on the whole, it's it's a great you know box set package that uh, any Kiss fan definitely should you know should have. Um, if you don't have it, you should probably go get it. There's a lot of great stuff on there. A great you know great sounding uh, uh, audio on there, and then of course if you like all the collectibles and things like that um and you know tour book and so on you're gonna you know you're gonna love that stuff so it's it's a really really well done package and uh, i think you know we we just hope that there's going to be more more coming on the on the way yep. and it's i'm selling books sorry. again Hey. <laughs> yeah, wow, you are so. My publisher said, you know, <laughs> they was like, "Why is this sound?" I'm like, "Oh, they just put out a box set." By the way, I have to ask Julian really quick. I, I mentioned at the top of the show. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Can you tell us or tell me on? Maybe these guys know. What did you contribute? I, I I'm guessing some of the logs, studio logs. I saw the great pictures of the studio logs behind the things. I I'm just curious what what in the Julian Gill uh, packaging. <laughs> You, are you are you still you can't say are you signed a no just very just very minimal contributions you know I have nothing to add you know right. and, and and no and hopefully no fellow authors were harmed in the process <laughs> this time so no I, I'm tickled pink by that but uh, not as much as other folk that's that's for absolutely certain um no i look for, i look forward to the next one and i want to put you on the spot now uh, you have a book coming out in march Are you able to say what it is yet yes it's a book it's funny you're saying uh, ken was saying about they have podcasts uh, excuse me they have um they have box sets for one song i i decided uh, during the pandemic i would write a book about one song and i chose oh. beatles hey jude um oh. and it's called take a sad song the emotional currency of hey jude and it's out in march of wow. 2022 very cool. Cool. cool beautiful song thank thank you guys for asking and and uh i love the show again thank you for having me i love the show i feel like i know you guys i have lunch with you every week so thank you so much for having me on i hope i can come on again i only come on when it's bob ezrin or destroyer related so i'm hoping i can come on another time 
Yeah, who, who knows what Definitely. the future holds? There's two further Ezra albums that uh, Lottie certainly <laughs> thinks that one of them should be next in line for Revenge. Deluxe Treatment, <laughs> right. and I think the other one should the be elder. next in line for <laughs> Deluxe oh, Treatment. Do you guys think, I heard that there's one in happening now, and I was just on a podcast and they asked me, it's not even out yet, but they asked me what I thought, and do, are there other tapes of the live shows that were that Eddie Cranmer recorded for a live? And would there be ever an live box set? There are tapes, but does Universal still have them, or are they in the paws of some collector who wants a hundred thousand dollars for them, even though they were fifty bucks to okay. Universal? You so know, do we so know what what might be in the works for a next box set? I, I I have no idea. I, I would think that things hopefully are happening. But who knows what's going to happen? I think there's enough product out now to sit back and enjoy it for a bit and wonder about where's our Dubai, um, <laughs> you know? And 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 where's my, right where, email. Yeah, where, where's my <laughs> refund for the December residency ticket master? Still, still not in. There's. I want to right. savor this for a while, and it's going to take a long time to go through mm -hmm. it and a be it and argue with friends and friends online about what is what and what is not. Um, you know, so it, it's got a lot of meat on it to enjoy before worrying about what ifs in the future. So let's leave that there. From James author of shout it out loud if you don't have it check it out um lonnie of course ken and myself where do we get it right what did we miss because we haven't covered absolutely everything that's for sure i, I said we weren't going to do two hours and we're way too close to that point so let us know what we missed and your opinions on what we've talked about today and we shall see you next time take care thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.